I feel like I'm much more knowledgeable at the end of this podcast than I was at the beginning. Thank you for listening to No Cure for Curiosity, a podcast for curious people. In today's episode, we are curious about Lizzo and Cardi B's summer song, Rumors. If you don't know the song, and especially if you haven't seen the video, do yourself a favor and watch the video now, and then come back for this conversation. This episode was suggested by Kimiko Matsumura, an art historian at the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. She was struck by the video's portrayal of Lizzo and Cardi B as Greek goddesses, and especially the choice to put these women into classical art, particularly ancient Greek vase paintings. So, Kimiko and I got together with Chad Seals, a professor of religion at the University of Texas at Austin, and we talked about Lizzo, this song, and especially the video for Rumors. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. They don't know I do it for the culture, oh man. They say I should watch the stuff I post, come on man. Say I'm turning big girls into pros, come on man. They I guess I'll start I with this. Well, let me do, let's do introductions first. Kimiko, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am Kimiko Matsumura. I am an assistant professor of art history at the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. And I am really interested in modern and contemporary art and also the places where those things intersect with popular culture and visual culture. So I am always thrilled when I come across things like Lizzo's music video that are making these references to a field that I am teaching to students actively when these materials become available. And the other person uh, we've invited into the conversation is Chad Seals. How you doing, Chad? Doing well, Shani. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me. I'm Chad Seals. I'm an associate professor of religious studies at University of Texas at Austin. And my research focuses on American religious history, really interested in how religion and pop culture connect. Um, I study mainly the American South, but looking at connections in religion and music um, and overlaps with histories of race and pop culture with religion and film as well. So first, can we talk about Lizzo for a second, what we know about her and uh, in, in preparation for talking about this song? I first encountered this song through Spotify, through their, their charting list, and I love her. Um, I haven't been a fan for as long as she's been around, but I've been on board pretty much since Truth Hurts, uh, which became incredibly viral very quickly um, and kind of skyrocketed her to this realm of pop culture icon um, for her interest in body positivity, for her messages of self-love and her just unapologetic desire to be herself in a space that is often cultivated and marketed in very limiting ways. Chad, did you know anything about Lizzo? Did you listen to her music or know anything about her career before this? No, I'm definitely the least qualified <laughs> on this particular podcast. My area of research in particular is not obviously connected to Lizzo, but it's really interested in white evangelicalism and its musicality. It's sort of, um, I've interested in Bono and U2 and how they basically appropriate images of Africa and Blackness and a lot of their work. So hopefully we have a conversation maybe that sort of um, maybe contextualizes Lizzo's performance and uh, reception and relationship to some of those other strains in pop culture as well. Absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things about her as an artist is that she is kind of built up of cultural contradictions as we might frame them. I mean, she is a classically trained flautist and it features in her music, um, but she marries that to rap and R&B in a way that very few contemporary artists have done. 
And so I think for me, that kind of dovetails with the classicism that is inherent to the visuality of this music video and the kinds of narratives that we as a society have about antiquity and classical training and the arts as spaces of westernness spaces of whiteness that are being occupied and flipped and reconsidered through the lens of blackness the only other thing I know about Lizzo's career is that movie Hustlers that she was in in 2019 um, right so she's like not only has she become like a super big pop star, but she's now like, I think that movie came out a year or two ago. So now she has this burgeoning acting career. And the other thing that stands out to me about her is, like you said, uh, Kimiko, her she advocates for body positivity. But in, in, when you see her in interviews, uh, she also has this like infectious joy. Like she's, she seems so happy and uh, like surprised to be where she is. She's so comfortable with herself and so like delighted to be around other people and, and kind of wants to lift people up. So as we said, uh, this song Rumors just came out August 13th. So Kimiko, what did you first notice when you started watching Lizzo's Rumors video? From the second the video opened, I was just blasted with art historical references that I got super excited about. Because, you know, when you do a PhD for an, any number of years, um, especially in a humanities field that people don't necessarily feel like is relevant to their lives, it's always exciting when you come across these real world cultural examples where there is a real discussion happening with the kinds of historical narratives that I've spent my life studying. Right. And that video, I mean, it is like ancient Greek top to bottom, right? It is, it's not like a moment or two. It's, uh, they are dancing in urns and uh, on top of columns and, and their costumes. Um, th there's nothing particular about the song that connects it to that visual, but they, they lean in heavily on like this kind of ancient Greek uh, world, or at least this kind of like popular version of an ancient Greek world. Yeah, so it's very much like a postmodern reinterpretation of ancient Greek references. And so, for example, within seconds of the video opening, you have a reference to the Apollo Belvedere, which is this very famous sculpture that was unearthed during the Renaissance, a Roman copy of a Greek original, and the Farnese Hercules, another one of these examples of um, a copy of a Greek original made during the Roman period, unearthed again in the Renaissance by these powerful Renaissance families. Um, those two sculptures in particular were massively influential for Renaissance artists as they were conceiving of the ideal form. So I, from the get-go, was sold. So why do you think the, um, the, the video starts off with those two famous pieces? Is there, how, how, does that connect to the song or to Lizzo herself or her career? Like, what, what do you think... Why do you think that was a choice? Well, I would say immediately, so the sculptures themselves are not just copied. They mm -hmm. are presented to us as plus-size individuals. So they are not within the heroic classicism that was promulgated by images like that. To make these sculptures have different body proportions and to be more representative of maybe contemporary culture, I think is definitely a gesture toward body positivity and the uplifting and celebration of bodies that go beyond these Greek ideals, because our culture is, of course, different. And the kinds of narratives we have about selfhood and engaging with the world around us are different than the things that the Greeks believed, even as they informed 
our our social and and cultural lives now. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about like the the cultural contradictions as well. How telling these positive stories of uh, upending to the white supremacy of Greek the sort of representations of of Greek culture. Um, I'm really fascinated with how that works really in Southern religion, with like the stories in Birth of a Nation. It ends in this really weird toga party in which they blast Greek culture onto the Holy Land. And then it ends with the marriage of a white man and a white woman. So it's this like reinforcement of this white supremacist ideals of Greek culture. And these keep coming up um, just in our everyday life around the university with these ideas of the great books and who's going to teach the great works. And it's a very conservative textual approach that lends itself to a very conservative politics. So that I'm really fascinated with this upending of that and then how other artists like Beyonce have done similar things. I was just interested to hear um, more from Kamiko too about how much of how much of positive body image is intention with an over-sexualized subject. In terms of the sexualization of the the content, it's really interesting because on the one hand, Greek vase painting which comes in two flavors. There's the black figure vase painting and the red figure vase painting. The the vases were used often in things like the Greek symposium, which was itself, you know, this fraternal masculinized drinking culture. So the vessels that they would be using for these parties would would be the, the Greek vases. And the content would often be sexual. You have these highly sexualized scenes that are, I mean, if you walk through the British Museum, some of them have very lewd scenes on them. So on the one hand, the sexualization in the video, I think, is well within the the context of Greek art. Um, But on the other hand, you know, there's this much larger, more complicated social narrative about Blackness and sexuality well, I read a Salon article about the video, and it, it says in a positive way that it basically celebrates rear ends. So it's it's like all about the butt, and it celebrates rear ends. And it made me think, like, when I was in seminary, um, well, I went through seminary. I wasn't, I don't claim to be a seminarian, but I was there for two years. But the there, I remember a colleague in grad school who was really interested in Sir Mix-a-Lot's song, I Like Big Butts. And she was saying this is a positive thing because it's showing a different type of body image um, in a popular culture. And so she viewed it as a positive. And I remember several of the seminarian faculty were like, we're not so sure about that. These were, you know, feminist scholars who they, they, they weren't quite ready to go in that direction. So there's a question about whether or not that is uh, that is a move in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so what, exactly. So is Lizzo's video in some ways an extent like is it carrying forth this sort of uh cultural turn in sir mix a lot is it because a woman is saying it is it no longer being objectified is it how is it is it resisting those things to me it is a substantial difference between sir mix a lot saying i like big butts and lizzo saying i like my big butt right it is a substantial difference in terms of one's relationship with one's body uh, kimika what were you gonna what are, you, what are your thoughts so I, I think it can be both. Um, on the one hand, I think that sexualization is the point. The idea that bodies that are outside of mainstream culture, and I mean, at this point, 
her body is mainstream culture. But if we think about precedents and traditions, the idea that bodies that are outside of these precedents and traditions, that they can be attractive, that they can be sexual and have sexual lives is something that not there hasn't been a lot of space for in the public sphere. And so the idea that that she can be sexual and be sexual on terms that appeal to her is is, you know, well within the feminist reclamation of the body for your own pleasure and own purposes. I mean, it's complicated because there are those resonances of inappropriate sexuality that were pinned on Black bodies like Lizzo's. But I think the reclamation is is really the point. And to wield it like a weapon, I think, is the thing that makes the critique especially especially pointed. I guess another way to frame the question is, can Lizzo ever walk off stage? And if and by that I mean, can't you ever leave this um, performance of herself in the video? Um, can't you? Because you mentioned, which is a fascinating point, right? Among this contradiction, she's trained as a classically classically trained flautist. So could she walk off this particular stage of this video that's popular onto another stage and join an orchestra and make a similar critique from a different stage? So it, or is the is the popularity of this video, is it, can she ever leave that particular stage? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I think that the fact that she is both this, this twerking goddess in this video and a classically trained flautist are also just inherently part of the complexities of, well, making more complex identities that you are never just one thing. And that I think she tries to remind people that she contains multitudes and in that way is is part of a narrative that is looking to break down those reductionist ideas of what constitutes black identity and female black identity by looking at these these cultural sources that are not traditionally occupied by black women either i mean i think slightly related to this idea i think she's conscious of that um, when she performs, when she performed at the Grammys, she had an all black female orchestra behind her. Um, so I think she recognizes the ways that these kinds of classical heritages have been exclusionary and is actively trying to broaden our ideas of what constitutes culture, but also to remind us that we are able to be more than sexuality, to be more than our artistic training. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. I didn't know that about the all-Black orchestra that she performed with. Um, so that juxtaposition of what seems to be opposed of classical and hip-hop, putting those together with an all-Black orchestra behind it, that sounds absolutely fascinating and, and making a visual effort to combine all of that in one place. I'm always fascinated with how like uh, U2's Bono, con- how they constantly engaged with what they saw as Black musicality but always from a distance. So they would have the Harlem Gospel Choir behind them, or they have the Soweto Gospel Singers behind them. And it's a kind of caricature of an emotional blues tradition. One of the things that Bono says that is absolutely crazy is like he says this story about how when he went to um, LA in the 80s and hip hop was just breaking, that he could hear in those sounds African music. And so he, he talks about Africans as genetically musical, um, and but his musicality there that he imagines is one that leads to hip hop and leads to Jay-Z and leads to the consumption of a particular black musicality 
that's very, uh, yeah, it's very highly commodified and rounded at the edges. It doesn't bring into the conversation like the Fisk Jubilee Singers, or it doesn't bring into these traditions that are like classical training, like you're talking about. So I just find that a, a very compelling uh, image to think of a black orchestra behind Lizzo putting that all together and not not seeing those things as separate and apart, but as part of one bigger tradition that's multiple, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, I think too, the fact that she plays the flute, I mean, like I, I played the flute for a hot minute, I don't know, like six months when I was 12 years old, because it was the thing that, you know, prissy young ladies played. And that was what I was attracted to when I had to pick an instrument. Um, the image of who a flautist is, is very particular. I mean, there are, if you talk to band students, you know, they have their their stereotypes of the kinds of people who play each type of instrument. And, and the idea of this very refined, prissy, competitive flute player is something that persists. And I think is an immediate contradiction on the surface of who she is as um, if we want to phrase it as like a character, Chad, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I mean, success for, is a two-way street. It's not just what you're putting out there. It's the way that the audience is responding to you. And it's it's definitely, she is in a moment right now in which these kinds of narratives of reclamation and self-making are at the forefront of what we as a culture are trying to do. That And it makes her more palatable and more acceptable so Cardi B is also in the video. She's like featured in it and she's pregnant in the video, right? That's yes. not my imagination. She is pregnant like right now. Uh, well, not anymore. She just had her son a few days ago. <laughs> Hot breaking news <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> her son was just born. All the rumors are true. Yeah, fake Fake boobs. Yeah, made a million ass suits. Yeah. And her outfit, Cardi B's outfit, like it's, it's, clearly intending to kind of celebrate her body. Yeah. I mean, I guess I thought about this too. I love Cardi's rap at this. It's so fun. Um, and I guess, you know, part of her whole trajectory too has to do with her highly sexualized narrative and what her career was before she was a rapper. She very publicly was a stripper before she, she broke out on the scene and she's never shied away from that. I guess for me, the thing that is really interesting about her pregnancy is that in the context of the video, it's another facet of women's lived lives and the dimensions that you can hold while also, you know, having a sex life and being a part of these larger cultural sort of reclamations of behavior. I agree with you. The costume is, is very, it accentuates the bump. I guess what's cool in some ways about, you know, pop culture and these, there's so, like you're saying, there's so many cultural contradictions. I think the powerful message is like gaining agency or control over the presentation. Yeah, Chad, I think that out of all the elements of the video, her pregnancy is actually the hardest thing to quantify, which is what's kind of makes its prominent display the thing that's really kind of fascinating about it. So I don't want this conversation to, uh, to end without talking about Disney. Part of the reason uh, it caught my attention is because I teach New Testament early Christianity class here. When I talk to students about and ask them what Hades is or what they know about it, 100% of the time they talk about that Hercules movie. <laughs> like every time. That's what they know. That, that Like when you say Hades, the, the, the thing they picture is that character from that Hercules movie. But James I know, Wood's voice is coming out of the screen. Yes, that, like that movie had a big impression on my students in terms of at least that character. 
so I was intrigued by how what you saw between the connection of that film and uh, the rumors video. Sure. So the narrative is being told. Um, basically, the narrators of the story are seven Black women who refer to themselves as the Bemuses. And they are in the style of Greek vase painting. And they are all voiced by Black women and in um, skin tone and presentation. So I, I think, and this is sort of the thing that all of the the pop culture press has caught on to, is that it seems like the idea was to depict Lizzo and her dancers, who are also a team of all Black women of varying body types, to a template that is maybe coming from something like Disney's Hercules, as the narrators of the story who sing their way through and are the fabulous and sometimes uh, lascivious background characters who pursue the story. Um, so I think that affinity for vase painting and then also for the portraying the muses as Black women is probably where this kernel of an idea came from and then sort of mutated outward from there. You know, it's interesting to me connecting what you just said and what Chad talked about earlier. In Hercules, the muses are kind of background characters, right? They show up for certain songs, but their existence is to push the plot of the main characters forward. That's the other thing about the rumors video is it takes the muses and puts them in the foreground, right? The reason, Chad, I'm connecting that to you is because you talked earlier about um, Bono's music videos or performances in which... There's a recognition of black performers, but they have to stand behind him, like like the like the classical muses do, and sort of um, uh, help him reach the heights of you know, whatever he wants to reach. In this case, it's just a, the the rumors video is just a story about the muses. Like they get to be the main characters, and they get to be the only characters. And men don't have anything to say or do or comment on, or um, there's no men interacting with them in the video. It, I think this is where I'm convinced by Kamiko. I mean, that's the, it seems like that's the power of the video and the power of Lizzo. To, I mean, to push to inverse background and foreground. And then everything you said, Trani, about like the presentation and the visuals, it work in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think the, it's very much about the centering of the feminine. And anytime a masculine body appears in the video, it's it's an image. It's not a person. Um, and the only implication of someone who uh, the presence of men is really in Cardi B's pregnancy, because all the all the characters, the dancers are women. Cardi and Lizzo are women. It's only in the statues and in the wall frescoes and um, in the, the phalluses that are perpetually in the background that you see any hint at, at the male. Um, it feels very much like an inversion of male gaze sort of situation where this is, they're made of women. This is, this, they're for, they're for each other and their own purposes. I mean, it simultaneously embraces and pushes away the idea that they are there for male consumption. Kimiko, I want to thank you so much. You're an assistant professor of art history at UWSP and Chad Seals is a professor of religious studies at UT Austin. Thank you both for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Enjoy talking to you both. It's so fun to talk about this stuff. Anytime. Let me know. Well, thanks, Johnny. You're a great host. It's nice to meet you, Kamika. Nice to meet you too, Chad. Thanks for having me and indulging in my last minute whim. <laughs> I feel like I'm much more knowledgeable at the end of this podcast than I was at the beginning. I'm so grateful to Chad Seals and Kimiko Matsumura for chatting with me about Lizzo's rumors. If you enjoy No Cure for Curiosity, 
The best way to support the podcast is to let other people know about it. I'll see you in two weeks. This podcast is brought to you by University College at University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Our mission is to provide coordinated, intentional, and inclusive services and opportunities through our core values of connecting, supporting, collaborating, and engaging. Discover your purpose and visit UW-Stevens Point at www.uwsp.edu.